0: So there are two topics to talk about or present this afternoon. So one is uh, to begin to sense for oneself these five aggregates, and today I'm more pointing towards consciousness. But you can't really separate consciousness from perceptions and things like that Um, let's say this is seeing this is hearing this is touching or being touched those are the principal ones that will and of course this is um, mind consciousness this is organizing, this is classifying this is categorizing this is sensing past, future here, there, me, her him, that should or this is creating categories which is what the mind consciousness does and then compares this could be this this is better than that I rather fancy this forget about that so this is the activity of mind consciousness mano vinyana and it's a separative system as we can some of those examples will tell you mind consciousness this compared with that past compared with future Uh, me compared with her Uh, pleasure compared with pain Mm. obviously it's classifying things and it it becomes um you know in our day and age extremely complex in classifying all kinds of distinctions gradations of color preferences taste preferences Would you like a mango chutney or a mango spiced chutney with a dash of cinnamon in it, you know, (laughs) just to get exactly the right specification for this particular moment in time, you know. And then would you like your, you know, think you like your new gadget white, silver, ghost grey, tranquil purple, passionate red, deep maroon, you know, it's like... And one of those will be the right one for you. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, <coughs> so you got this overwhelm, really. And all the possibilities of options one could pers- take. And And even if you want to do something, the number of classifications you have to go through to maybe get a cup of coffee. Well, what kind of coffee... Uh, roast medium roast colombian java and so forth espresso mocha pachy, cappuccino um, large grande small medium <laughs> you know, frothy whipped, sugar what kind of sugar <laughs> you know, and then fill in the form na- name age gender date of birth you know d- d- address post address email postcode phone number mobile phone number Know, classification, classification—extremely complex classification systems that our minds can organise and we can operate with them. No, just how does that feel? You know, I mean, is this say optimising one's happiness or eventually getting so cluttered and overwhelmed that you're thinking, uh, "Enough! I don't, I don't want anything. Thanks." You know, what kind of nothing would you like? <laughs> Buddhist nothing Jewish nothing <laughs> Nada <laughs> Emptiness uh, So this is mind consciousness and this is so we realize hey this thing is on fire and so the Buddha in his fire sermon said these are on fire <laughs> they, they, they conflagrate they eat you up with their uh, needs, in a way, like, uh, um, they're promising some sort of good feeling or promising to prevent bad feeling occurring, but actually they themselves (laughs) are bad (laughs) feeling, because of the intense stress they generate, (laughs) right, you know. So sometimes, like, just sooner be slightly uncomfortable. We'd have to fidget around this, that, this, that, this, that. But just it's okay. I'll deal with it. Yeah. So this is the consciousness, and Buddha likened it to, um, in a very powerful, poignant uh, sutta, he described consciousness being like shot with a hundred arrows in the morning, a hundred arrows or spears, one of those. And a hundred hours in the afternoon, a hundred hours, a hundred hours in the evening. Yeah, because every one, his visual consciousness, boom, his tactile consciousness, boom, Here's another visual consciousness, boom, Here's another auditory consciousness. Boom. There's a tactile, an auditory, and a visual. And every one of them, you go, oh, oh, oh. the chitta. All right. Oh, oh. So it's like you're being. He says it's be like being, having. These these spears or or arrows thrown into you. <laughs> uh, so this is quite grim, isn't it? Uh, but he also uh, says, "Yeah, well, this is sublime. This is peaceful. Mm. That is the chitta." Uh, reviewing the five aggregates. So jitta so can differentiate, if you like, can lift or can separate or not be conjoined with the five aggregates mm. and review them thus. Mm. So a sense of contemplating these aggregates, including consciousness can be contemplated and stepped back from and reviewed and noticed and you know not engaged with not rejected not adopted so this is sublime this is peaceful the stilling of the sankara the activations the programs that, that go for it get it going programs resist it, fight with it, change it, argue with it, make it something else, all those stilling, those calming Mm -hmm. the relinquishment of acquisitions habits, grooves, latent tendencies tendency to just go on reflex, on automatic coming out of that, lifting out of those habitual tendencies that become accumulative so we almost lose track with there being anything other than those tram lines that we run down mm-hmm. tram lines of attention mm-hmm. and that create you know horizon with a point going towards it we, we lose the landscape around as we're funneling in on that so those and we those grooves, those lines, those tracks just relinquishing, getting off track if you like, putting it colloquially Mm. The destruction of craving. And craving, tanha, not a conscious decision, not a perverse instinct, not something that's kind of even libidinous, but some sense of a basic pull, a pull towards, you know, pleasure, pain, or a pull away from pain, pull towards pleasure big pull towards becoming something solid solidifying self certainty, stability big pull towards that Mm. a future definite future such an automatic pull that one really doesn't realise it just as we don't realise the force of gravity because it's there you know till you're going to something where that's suspended or you go going to water where you're floating mm. destruction of that mm. dispassion not something that's a flaring up excited uh, experience but a cooling loss of that uh, glowing quality that we attracted to The glowing of success, the glowing of achievement, the glowing of becoming something, the glowing of praise, the glowing of adoration, just cooling, dispassion. This This is good. This is good. This is true. This is good. Not, oh wow. (laughs) Got to have another one. And cessation. So, phenomena. No longer arise. This complex world begins to dissolve. Future past dissolves. Sense of self image dissolves. Stored up patterns dissolve. Habits dissolve. Cease being activated. Ceasing. Nibbana, the unbinding. So one turns one's jitta towards the aggregates. Thus, so this is a big job, you know, and some of it sounds rather like uh, jaw dropping, or perhaps not even that attractive. Uh, but basically, what it, one thing is being presented there is that there is some knowing, in, aware intelligence that is not about consciousness. <laughs> And it's not about feeling, it's not about perception, it's not about form. Otherwise, it, it discerns, it turns towards those with this seeing, witnessing, knowing awareness. So, and this is called chitta. And uh, of course, the English language struggles with all these because clearly our language itself is, a, is a, uh, a custom and a convention that's developed through usage hmm. you know developed through usage, so we have kinds, of plenty of terms for technology and it's also being changed all the time lots of terms now, much more I don't even know the language anymore I read something I can't understand what they're talking about technological language language associated with this c- cyber age you know what? so language is always changing it's very much being formed by social context so in the social context is not associated with awakening or liberation, language gets a little bit, you know, stiff-fingered. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, uh, you know, Pali language was specifically, the Buddha's using language specifically to deal with this area. So then he can say there's such a thing as consciousness and there's such a thing as citta. One is called vijnana. And the very word vijnana, so vi is a suffix, is a prefix, which in- has a general sense of separation from, or not, or not being with, separating. And jnana means knowing. So it's a separative knowing. It's a knowing that knows something. is that. Yeah. It's an object-forming knowing. And it's so. It's This is what all consciousness does this. Sight tells me very good what something looks like. What something sounds like. And I take those likes as if they are actual true renditions. (laughs) You look like this. You look like this to me. Well, I bet you don't look like this to you. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So it's always a translation or rendition of an experience, it's a like, dependent upon a particular sense base and clearly we can very easily recognise, you know, we don't look like what we feel like, we don't look like what we smell like. Or anything, they're very different experience. So the taste of an apple and the smell of an apple and the sight of an apple are very different. You cannot put them in the same category. Right? If you just had that alone. But of course you don't have that alone. You have something that says that taste is apple. That when you, when you taste that taste, this little picture comes up in your mind of an apple. So that, could, so that <coughs> synergy creates an object. So the synergy between an external sense space and this Mano Vijnana classification experience gives rise to a particular object. So just another little example recently um, say I was in a I mentioned being in Ecuador and people took me to a market and said, please, bear in mind, anything we could we could give you, either, you, you know, you, either you'd know, either you like for yourself or you'd like to give away, please let us know. So, I you don't know if you want it, really. Blankets, mm. no. Hats, no. Mm. So, so, so he, one person got really involved with a pair of thick socks. So he was pondering over these socks and what kind of socks. Mm. And then he got a pair of socks, uh-huh. Oh, I know, I could give, give Ajin Chandra Siri a pair of socks, because she lives up in Scotland, it's cold up there. And there's this lovely pair of nice chocolate brown socks, exactly the right colour for a Buddhist nun. In fact, it's bands of it, some are dark chocolate, some are kind of milk chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she's got one bits for before noon, one bits for afternoon. And, <laughs> great, because it's about her size, small foot, pair of nice chocolate brown socks. To give Ajinthanna that's a nice thing to do. I don't really want to myself. So I, I saw Admiral Wadi and I said, Oh look, I've got this gift for you. And so I took him out and put it in front of she looked at her. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, it's it's like the kind of colour for nuns. And she looked at me, and she said, they're green, Bunti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I am green brown colourflow. <laughs> right. So what happened to the chocolate socks? <laughs> Where did they go? <laughs> what happened to them? They were, they were definitely there in my mind. <laughs> Simple, isn't it? You know, so one carries this notion. And actually the, the funny thing is that the mental r- reality will tend to trump all the other sense bases. Yeah. Yeah. because with that in mind we will actually the mind will actually get to select the features of an experience that fit Yeah, what it's already decided is there yeah. it will see something and it, it will, you'll select the feature like the brown socks it decides already that's there I want to give her a pair of socks so it's decided that's what it and it fits that and clearly, you know, you know, when you're attracted to other people, you only see some feature of their physical form or their behaviour. That particular feature becomes a highlight, and maybe you don't really notice or your second, the other bits and pieces of it. And really, okay. And who knows what they see of you? Certainly, I would imagine that most of us would find our own impressions of ourselves. Are rather distinct from what other people would think of us. And I'd you know, say, by and large, mostly I would suggest we're more critical. We mm-hmm. see our defects much more clearly than we see our virtues and strengths. Other people say, oh no, you're fine. Oh, you're, I'm lazy, you say, oh, no, you're good. <laughs> So we, the mind trumps the others, and with what? Why? The agreeable, yeah. in terms of agreeable or disagreeable, yeah. in terms of something uh, graspable, now I know who she is, she's one of those, Got a, that's a lump category, friend, enemy, mixture. Weird, strange, happy, pleasant, jovial, generous, whatever, you know, clack. And then we see those features, and we don't see other features. We don't see, say, frightened or nervous or or having a, you know, some problem or another. And so very often we, we can act in that way towards other, other people, you know. To him you have a role. So, um, uh, so this is the, what so the mind consciousness tends to trump the other basis. Hmm. So one of our... Uh, meditation practice very obviously is to stay with uh, an, a, a sensed experience such as a sound or a sight or a touch or a subtle touch. sustain it and let and keep your mind on it and see the things your mind does until eventually it kind of stops creating anything out of it. stops pushing and pulling. If you do mindfulness of breathing you're staying with the breathing, and you probably might have an idea of a breathing being a constant thing, a changing You know, uh, it's going to get you certain results. You implant that upon it. You know, uh, with, oh, breathing is this thing between your nose and your lungs. Stick your mind on it, and it will calm you down. So get it going. Yeah. Uh, and we don't really take the time to say, well, what is breathing? We've all decided what it is. What is breathing anyway? Are you sure you're doing it? Who does it? How does it happen? Is it just a thread between your nose and your chest? If you just kind of took the models out and said okay, today you're sitting here and um, the question is how do you experience, how do you know you're breathing? before you're going to be mindful of it or meditate on it, what tells you you're breathing. And you might find a range of different takes on it. Someone will say, oh, I get this kind of sense of something pushing in my chest or a sense of something pulling in my nose or something swelling in my belly or a feeling of flushing and warmth coming up. And you might, but probably you would all agree that it's something that goes in and out. It's got a different, an in and out is a bit of a, in and out, you know, is, is an assumption. What <laughs> <laughs> we know is a sense of something that has an experience of swelling and an experience of subsiding. And you know, we can very well infer it must go out of my body, otherwise I couldn't breathe and come in again. But you can't, you don't see it outside your body, do you? So are you sure it goes out? How do you know it goes out of your body? Do you see it go out? I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you breathe on your hand, you sure that's your breath or is it just the tingling sensation? You interpret it as your breath, but you sure? What tells you? Can you so? Even out and in is really an assumption. But we might notice, you know, however, whatever assumptions we make, there is a sense of, definitely there's a change there between these forms which we interpret as in and out. It's a kind of swelling, energising experience, which we call the in, in. Energy rises, expands, and then there's a kind of pausing and then a cooling, a softening, You can say something like a declining, subsiding experience, which we call breathing out. Well, let's get down to it. You call it those names, but actually there's that. That (coughs) flow, rhythmic flow. And so, and then, you know, noticing how it's... None of that is static. It's all changing. It's all changing. And if you begin to rub out the background impression of a body you know, just say exactly what you are directly experiencing your ears have gone your hair's gone no fingernails goodbye toes <laughs> what's left <laughs> directly and who's doing it Who's breathing in and out? Anybody? Who does it happen to? Who does who it who's hap- who's it happening to? Uh. <laughs> we say there's awareness of that shifting, changing. Series of impressions we call, you know, consciousness of breathing. Mindfulness of breathing. Being mindful of the process, tactile, somatic impressions that we call breathing because we call it something. And so just stay with that. And it means what kind of attention now the object may be less sharply defined than if we're just focusing on a particular this is a thread with that but what about the quality of attention that's needed for that, it's quite spacious agile, open can you sustain that receptive to shifting and changing and it's calming and it dismantles these features that are not needed identity is not needed at this time future is not needed at this time result is not needed at this time (coughs) Um, standards of success and failure are not needed at this time Um, don't even need that much of a body at this time (laughs) Directly, you just have to be in that domain. That's so it's this this is in a way, you know, part of the testing is how much can be relinquished. That's just not out of aversion, just because it's not necessary right now. And in fact it becomes an obstruction. The complexities that we've adopted of our reality. Time, place, consequence, identity, purpose, good, bad, actually are getting in the way of a direct, calming, nourishing experience. And if you can't directly to it, something else is occurring. The object itself becomes more luminous, more pervasive, more mysterious, more mercurial. Hmm? more truly felt in a mysterious way, the quality of attention becomes less dogged, less visual focus, much more sensitive, appreciative and agile to adjust to stay with that. Because it's not so easy. The rut, the habit is to hold on to something, to keep saying, how good am I doing it? To keep wondering, am I doing it the right way? but you're not doing it in the first place. (laughs) It's happening. And to be aware of the involuntary is a subtle change because customarily we're very much aware of what we're determined to do, of where we're going, of what we've selected, of what we've decided. We're very conscious of that. But you're aware of something that's happening by itself. Well, it's happening by itself. So what? I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So this—it's um, quite a training. But with this, we begin to—you know—by by no means are we, are we kind of. Um, it's, it's curious because the word conscious—we're certainly being conscious. We're not unconscious. But I would say, though the language, you know, I have to take liberties with that. Jitta is being conscious, vijnana is consciousness. So, being conscious, or I could also call it awareness, that's uh, a given, and it's non, uh, by itself, it's non categorizing. It's not object-forming. It's not subject-forming. It's just awareness. And consciousness is always subject-forming, object-forming, categorizing. So consciousness leads to the accumulation of a whole mass of criteria that start off seeming to offer clarity and purpose and fine-tuning and suitable choices, but eventually become (coughs) overwhelming and burdensome. So the first (laughs) piece (laughs) is just to be able to kind of, might say, disengage in that sense, Uh, uh, by no means kind of blanking out, but you know, from, from, and essentially from the perceptions and the background inferences that consciousness brings with it. Like, I am witnessing this. What? Who? who? Witnessing what? Who? What? what? <laughs> and the sense of, this is going to a future time. Certainly as a process is unfolding, continue to unfold, but it's not aiming to go to some future in the way that we have aims to get to four o'clock or Wednesday afternoon. It's, not, it's got nothing, no, nothing's in that category to aim for, right? Because there's no, there's no category. Whereas most of our lives are, that category is a pigeonhole that's either full or waiting to be filled or demanding to be filled the category the pigeonhole we call the future now do we need that pigeonhole constantly (laughs) what are you going to put in it happiness, progress, success death into the world horrible things beautiful things you try and think of the future and stay serene <laughs> without either getting anticipation worry or, or dread it doesn't happen so do we need that pigeonhole as a constant thing useful at times but is it possible to have a period where you say just Acknowledge that, and this is the dismantling, the deconstruction. So that's part of it. And realize there is an awareness that is still there. It's not as if one is totally fallen apart. You know, there is an awareness that's there that is more um, innate, um, true, and, and uh, supportive. And wise, so it's our first part, second part, and how do we do that? Second part is given that, yeah, and you know, taking that on faith or beginning to get a sense of that. How do we bring this quality into? the world that we inhabit of organizations differentiations me you my place your place going here tomorrow planning next year (laughs) the stuff that becomes you know our uh, our kind of uh, matrix for social life organizational life how do we bring that since this is what we're going to you know, what we're <laughs> live with. How do, how do we bring that in? Yeah. How do we bring some of what we learnt into that domain so that uh, we approach it with a sense of prudence, care? This thing can really run out of hand. This thing can get out of control. <laughs> yeah. and, and so what, how does one organise whereby the true qualities that come from awareness in a relational sense, goodwill, discernment, clarity, honesty, presence, moment by moment authenticity of what's really happening, that this can be applied to our world. So that for our own welfare, and of course for the welfare of others.